If you've got your, your Bibles, I hope you do. We are in the book of, does anybody know? 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. So if you want to turn there, that would be wonderful. We're going to bounce around in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 tonight. Uh, our key verses where we're going to really sort of key in on is really verses 2 through 9. We did verse 1 last week. Um, for the book of 1 Corinthians, who wrote the book? How do we know that Paul wrote it? It's the very first word in the book. He announces, Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes. We're going to talk about, everybody say Sosthenes. Say Sosthenes. Okay, this is a good word for you. know, I, I, I want a shirt made up that just says, I want to be like Sosthenes. And folks will be like, who's Sosthenes? I'm like, oh, I'm glad you asked. And you can go into the story. We're about to talk about him in a second. Um, First Corinthians, Paul, Paul wrote it. Who did he write this book to? You're right. To, he actually wrote to the church of God that was in Corinth. Which it was a, a city in, in Greece. Okay, right? So we went through all that this past week. Now, we did talk about Sosthenes some. What we, we read about him, church of Corinth, actually you can read how it began in Acts chapter 18. We went over that this past week. Sosthenes was there. He was the, the ruler of the Jewish sin synagogue and he did not like Paul so he tried to get Paul thrown in jail by the the uh, Roman guy that was in charge they brought they they brought him up to sort of get him put in jail and in trouble and the Roman uh, governor kicked him out and said don't don't waste my time this is one of your deals it's not one of my deals he throws him out the crowd gets so mad at Sosthenes it says they beat him up right there on the spot that's the, the, we only read about him in one verse in Acts chapter 18. And also we read about him again in Acts chapter 1. We're called, Paul now calls him a brother, our brother Sosthenes, who ends up being the scribe, the one that actually wrote, um, wrote the book of 1 Corinthians for Paul. Paul dictated it to him. Sosthenes was a sex secretary or a scribe for him and he wrote the book out so it's sort of cool and I want to be like that I feel like that that's who I was and a lot of you were in that same boat you were in rebellion against God you were running away from him and he saved you he changed your life we're going to talk a little bit more about that in the text and now you aren't against him but you are now adopted as a son daughter child of the king and you are a, a son and child of God so that's why I want a shirt that says uh, I want to be like Sosthenes because we see that he's used by God and used in a great way, unimportant. We, we don't hear anything else about him, but Paul couldn't have done all that Paul did without Sosthenes in his life. True? Cool? Yeah? I think it's cool. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Um, so, y'all have heard me, um, may have heard me share the, this story before. It's been quite a while since I've shared it, so it may be new for most of you. It is a story uh, about a student in my youth group. It wasn't this church. It was my last church. So don't be like trying to figure out, is it Keith Messer? Is it, is it Cor- Corbin? It could, could have been those guys, but it was not. It was in my last church group. If you've been to my camps before, a guy named Josh LaFamina came to, to my camps. It, it's really a story about Josh. Uh, we were at camp. It was about the third or fourth day of camp. If you had known Josh as a youth, he is, don't point them out in this youth group right now or don't shout out names, but he's that youth that is just getting into everything. They're overactive. They're in trouble. 
It might be you. Uh, it's, it's that, he was that type of kid. And it, it might be said that he tested my patience so bad, badly before that on a mission trip I made him eat dirt. But I will neither confirm or deny the allegations against me. I plead the fifth. Um, but he did eat dirt. Um, so uh, on this, it was back in the day when youth ministry was really fun and you could do stuff like that. Now like, there's like lawsuits and stuff. Um, uh, on, on this day at camp, Josh Lafmina and his minions, and I call them minions for a reason because they were sort of a gang of thugs within our youth group. I loved them. Uh, but they were just there to get in, in trouble and they came up with a, a, a plan Let's call it a prank, per se. And y'all, I think y'all know how I feel about pranks. Um, and this didn't start my ha- hatred for pranks. I've always disliked pranks. So one day, the plan was to spike the youth camp Gatorade cool- cooler with X-Lax. Now, if you don't know what X-Lax is, but it's a laxative. And that is what the goal of that is, is if you've had an upset t- t- tummy and you can't take a poo-poo, it makes everything loose and flushes out of you like a firestorm, okay? That's what X-Lax. So they had snuck in and poured X-Lax in the Gatorade. Now, that, that term, we knew that a lot as a kid. Y'all don't know as much. So there were some things online I found that they sell nowadays that help cure this, just so that you can get, one is col- colonial, like colonial, colonial, which is supposed to make you we're, we might have this at camp for, for one day just to see how the... Because y'all love the bathroom so much at camp. Um, uh, there's one more that's called uh, Zupu. Zupu. If, and if you're having some issues, this will help you. This stuff will help you. It'll clean you out. There's, there's a third one that was called Poop Like a Champion. This is real. <laughs> this isn't fake. This isn't like Saturday Night Live. It's real. Uh, uh, Thomas uh, Duran, he likes to use this stuff. Sorry, Thomas. Sorry, he gave me the clue on that one. Um, and then the, the last one was col- colon blow. Uh, it's a hot sauce uh, that it's a red. I can't even. I won't even read it. <laughs> it's just bad stuff. Okay, I'll tear you up. Let's get that off the screen, or that's all we're going to think of. Okay, perfect. So, um, so yeah, they get it in the, in the youth camp. Gatorade. And if you, you've been to my youth camps before, and this was at a camp, we didn't have AC in the dorms. We didn't, have, we didn't have AC in the calf. And you would have to drink 400 gallons of stuff to survive each day. So those cool, cool, coolers, we went through those like nobody's business. The great news is this. Youth, y'all stink at keeping secrets, which is wonderful. But someone told someone who told someone else who told me. And it had just gone down, and no one had had a break time from their, 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 their Bible study to go feast on the goods. So I made sure we grabbed it, and we, 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 we took it in the back. So we put some more stuff out there. Josh and his friends are just watching this. And so I'm watching them, because I, I, I know who is in on this. And it's so fun to be in charge sometimes, especially when you're like, oh, I'm going to kill them. And... Um, and so they're, they're watching because it takes an hour or two hours. So within an hour, Josh and I are, we're, we're, we're walking. I timed it so it was just me and him are going down this path. And, I, and so I said, Jay, Josh, can we talk for a second? He said, yeah, man, sure. And so this is what it is. I said, Josh, you know, man, you think it's important to be a man of God? And he said, Pastor Dan, he said, man, it is very important to be a, 
men of God. And, you know, I said, you know, and a, a, a man of God, you know, they stand up for what's right, right? And he goes, yes, sir. They stand up exactly for what's right. And, and, and I said, Josh, would a, would a man of God lie? Like, do they lie? He said, no, sir. Man of God doesn't lie at all. So I said, Josh, did you pour X-Lax in the Gatorade? And Josh went, man, you set me up. That's not fair. Yeah, I did. Because I just, I just, he, he, he could have, he could have lied, but he'd have gone straight to hell. I mean, just straight to hell, right? I mean, he had no choice in that moment. He was like, ah, oh, you set me up. So this is what I did. I said, I got Josh and the rest of his friends, and I walked him into a room, and I had four cups full of Gatorade. And I put them in front of him and I said, boys, drink up or go home. And they drank it. But it didn't have stuff in it. But they didn't know that at first. (laughs) So mess with me if you want to. But that was one of the funnest moments of my entire life. It was a setup. It was, and it's so fun to be on that side of a setup. And I've, I've read this text that we're going to be in tonight. This text is a setup. Paul is setting up the church of Corinth. See, the church of Corinth is sort of a wreck. I mean, they, they're, they're only five or six years old, and you're like, well, how long does it take for someone to mess things up? It doesn't take us long at all, right? So this church of Corinth has just made some missteps, and in the introduction here, Paul begins to even address some issues that that, 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 that they have. So first look at this, and, um, and, and re- stand with me for this first little part, and it's just short verse. Verses we're going to stand. We always stand at least one time in, in the service in honor of God's word. This is God's word for us. Uh, in this First Corinthians chapter, uh, let's start with with verse one, and we'll read to verse three. Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God that is in Corinth to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, this is text, like it just seems almost mundane to us. I think sometimes we read this text and we're just sort of numb to it. We say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Lord, I think your truth is so throughout even this first part of the text as, as we jump into the rest of it. Lord, just open our eyes to see, open our hearts to hear and reflect even in our own life. How does this, how do, what does this mean for us? Because Lord, I think there's such a lesson in this book for us. Uh, Lord, help us to hear it. And Lord, may we be a church. Lord, may we be a youth group that is a light for a world to see. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a seat. So he says this in his, 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 his greeting. He doesn't just say, hey, to the church in Corinth, I want you to hear this. Look at the way he phrases this. This is very important. He says, to the church of God that is in Corinth, inferring that there's more than one church of God there. Okay, to the church of God that's in Corinth. He's not just talking to one small group of people. He's talking to groups of people. He goes on said, saying this, called to be saints together. Okay, to churches, you're called to be saints together. You're called to be work together. It's not, our church is the one true church. We're the only church that gets it right. No one else does. 
you either come to our church or you are going to hell. It's not like that, right? Are there people outside of our church that know Christ? In churches that, that honor Christ? Many of them. But we're going to see that this church had some issues. Now, it goes on to say this, with all those in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, the church of God in Jesus is all over. It's all over. It's a, with all those in every place. So it's inferring that it's just not one little house church he's speaking to. They're going, you guys have it right. It's to the churches of God. Listen to what I have to say. Now, what's the point of that? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 11. Look at there. We're not going to preach through this, but I want you to see this. Verses 11 and 12, it says this. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. So he says, what he's, and this is like, so in the intro in verses 2 and 3, he's already beginning to address You've got divisions among you. You've got problems among you, and you are the church of God. You are together in this with the Lord Jesus. He's addressing it. Look at chapter 3. Turn, turn there and look at verse 11, uh, no, 4 of chapter 3. He goes on. We're going to hit this later. He says this, For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere... Are, are you not being mere, merely human? See, there, there were some that were saying, well, I was baptized by Paul, so I only follow Paul. Some were saying, I was baptized by Apollos, so I only, only fo- fo- follow him. They were all from the church of God in Jesus Christ, but all of a sudden they're begin, beginning to pick sides. And he's saying, there's no sides. You are, you are the church. Quit, quit trying to pick sides. We stink at this. We stink at this. We are side pickers. If there's an issue going on, we pick a side. Oh, he wronged her. Uh-uh-uh. She wronged him. Uh-uh-uh. We just do it. We just jump on sides. God's saying, stop the pettiness. We're in this together. We're in this together. Look here in verse uh, uh, chapter 11, verse 18. He still says this throughout this whole letter. This is what he says. For in the first place, when you came... Come together as a church. I hear that there are divisions among you, and I, I believe it in part. So once again, this setup in verses 2 and 3 is setting up a whole rest of the book of what Paul's about to rail against them on. Quit being divided. And he starts it even in the introduction when he says, hey, to the churches of this, the churches of God that are here together in the gospel. So setup one is this. The setup is quit being divided over pit. Pet, 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 petty things. Man, we can get divided over things that are so unimportant. We can get our feelings hurt, and then we hold a grudge, and then we tell somebody else, and they get on our side, and they tell someone else, they get on their side. It's so easy to fall in this trap. And what I love about this book is Paul deals with this throughout the book. And we can all always use help on this. Any youth group, any church in the world needs to hear these messages. Now listen, don't get me wrong on this. It's important for there to be unity in the body of Christ. Would you agree or disagree? Agree. Okay, that's clear. But they should be like-minded churches or bodies of Christ. What I mean is this. 
in the church, there are closed fist issues. These are, the, the, these are things that we cannot, um, we, we cannot change or these things we've got to hold tight to. One would be this. Jesus Christ and through him alone is the only way to be saved. Closed fist issues. We, we cannot fudge on that. We cannot change that. Uh, that the word of God is the inerrant word. This is the word of God, and it's, 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 it's without fault or error. Closed fist, fist issue, right? You see me? Uh, if that we are commanded to go into the, all the world, e- each of us are to share our faith and be a light where we are. That's throughout the word of God. Closed fist, fist issue, yes? That we are only to sing praise songs and never sing hymns. Okay, that's an open, open hand issue, right? Church sings hymns, praise songs. It's okay. As long as it's praise to God, it's the heart, right? It's the heart. So there's, do we understand close fists or loose? So even when we talk about church being di- di- divided, because you might say, well, we don't do stuff with that church because there could be closed fist issues that we don't agree with. Uh, so you've got to uh, agree on some of those key doctrinal issues. So that's the setup uh, Paul begins. Um. <clears throat> Now, he goes into verse 4, and he's about to, to greet them. And usually when you greet somebody, you go, hey, in, in uh, Philippians, he goes, man, I thank God upon every remembrance of you for your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And he just, just talks about, man, how I love you and how you've done these great things. My wife and I were in Wheaton College this past weekend, as a lot, a lot of you know, my second oldest daughter, Caitlin, we took her up to school. No, I'm not that mean. But um, it was was a little sad. And um, one thing they had us do was we wrote a letter to her uh, before we left. And the letter was just just to encourage her, to point her to Christ, but also share a lot of things that we're thankful about her and things that we had seen in her and things that we loved her and things that she did. And So it's just a letter that we wrote so that when we left, she had something to encourage her as she walked in the faith. And have you ever gotten a letter from, from someone and it just said, man, I appreciate you for being this. I appreciate you for doing this. Well, when Paul writes this letter, uh, as he starts this letter, where there's a greeting that you would sort of expect this stuff, it's interesting because most letters that we write are like our, our letters were very, it was, it, God was all in it, but it was very Kate-centered and mine was very Dan-centered. My, my feelings for her uh, how I was proud of her and things that she had done and how my prayer for her that God would work. But even with my talk about God, it was very Kate-centered and very Dan-centered. And we, we tend to do that. Paul writes in this letter, if you look at this, and it is not man-centered at all. It's not pra- praising the church for being that great. It's all boasting about God. Look at this in verse uh, 4. And follow along with me. It says this, I give thanks to my God always for you. So he's like, hey, I thank God for you. So you think he's about to talk about because, man, you're faithful, you're giving, you're doing this stuff, you're doing that stuff. And this is what he says. Um, uh, always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ. That in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and, and knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. That's the closest thing he, he goes to saying, you're doing a good job in this. 
And then he says this in verse 7, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of the Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So what I love about this, and this is, this is setup number two. The first setup was togetherness. Y'all have been divided. You are the church of God. You need together. The second one is, hey, you aren't great because you're great. You're great because God's great. That's his whole point in this thing. You go, well, Pastor Stan, how am, I, how am I supposed to apply this in my life? This is it. God doesn't think you're great because of great things that you do for him. God thinks you're great because of the great things he's already done. You, you know what that does? The pressure is off. You having to perform and be perfect. You still choose to do what is right, but do what is right because you want to honor God, not because you want to please him all the time. Um, there's four things that, that it talks about God here. And I even go back to verse one for, for one. One is, is that, that, that God calls, right? We see it in verse one. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. He goes on to say, uh, 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 to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints to, together. Who calls there? God calls, right? God, God, God has done the work there. I was living in rebe- rebe- rebellion against God. Romans 5.10 says that we were enemies of God until God called. God reached out to us. Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19 and 20. Obscure verse for some, but this is what it says. God God is saying, and I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. That is a heart that's alive. I'm going to take this dead heart and I'm going to give them a live heart. Why is he dead? That they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people and I will be my God. That's, that's what God does. God, God calls us. God does this great work. Paul's even one to remind them. This is, man, I thank God for, for you because God is so good. He doesn't just call, but he gives, right? He, he gives gifts. Now, when we think that, we think we are so blessed I know I'm blessed. I don't think about it enough because I'm an American and we have great homes and great cars and great things. But can I tell you, we, we tend, materialism is probably the least thing of we should concentrate on what's really a gift of God. When he, he talks here, um, and I agree that in James 1, 17, it says every good and perfect gift comes from God. The, the Father. Every good gift comes from God, the Father. Um, but a lot of that material stuff that we have is petty and unimportant. And we go, oh, God's blessing me. And when we're talking about what God gives here, this is what God gives. He gives his word to us for wisdom and understanding. God gives us the church Specifically for you, he may give you, if this is your church home, this is, God has given you this church, maybe given you this youth group so that you can grow in faith together. That's a gift of God, right? We don't really think of this stuff as gifts most of the time, but this, this, God gives us 
families that love us, and some of them spur us on to Christ. Some of us has taught us the word. That's a gift of God that he gives. He also gives godly friendships. And man, that's my biggest prayer as we work through text. And as you, when you leave the, this place and when you're out of the, the, the umbrella of the church, when you're off at school or at work, man, I want you to have godly friendships that encourage you to live for Christ, that you encourage them to live for Christ. That's, that's the gift of God. Look, look at, at, at what it says in, um, uh, because, in verse 4. Because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you are enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift. God is a gift giver. And because of that, man, I thank God upon every remembrance of you because our God is so good. Do not miss on God's gift. The next thing is in, in verse 8, um, and, and, uh, he who is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ who will sustain you to the end. Living the Christian life is hard, and if anybody tells you it's not, it's easy, run away from them. They don't understand that. As if you've been in church and Pastor Mike's preached this past week, suffering is part of the Christian life. It's how, know that our, our suffering points a world that needs to, to see Jesus. It point, points them to him. When in suffering, we choose to be kind. We choose to do what is right. We choose to trust God. We choose to, to lean on him. It points a world to him. But God, see, it says he sustains us to the end. Philippians 1.6 confirms this for us. It says, and Paul, Paul writes, I'm, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ, that God sustains you. This is what God does. The last thing it says in verse 9, it says that God is faithful. I preached in church uh, a few weeks ago about definition of faith is one, one of the points, and faith is this to me. What, what does it mean for you or I to have faith? It's believing God is who he says he is. And that God will do what he says he will do. And it's not just like, well, the God that I believe in, it's really, it's believing that through the word of God, through the word of God, not just what you feel like God should be like for the day, through the word, God is who he says he is, and God will do what he says he will do. So what is God being faithful? It's a God who is who he says he is, and a God that is going to do what he says he will do. That's God is faithful. That, 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 that he will be with us to the end. But keep in mind that God is faithful. So I love in verse 4, Paul writes, I give thanks to God for you always. And then all he does is boast in God. God calls, God gives, God sustains, God's faithful. And this is set up number 2, because in chapter 1 of First Corinthians... It ends with this, this verse, these verses right here, uh, verses 30 and thir- 31. It says, and because of him, the him being God, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. In the greeting he gives them, Paul doesn't boast about them at all. What does he boast about? God. He's giving a picture to them. Even before he writes about the issues they have, he's trying to show them how they're supposed to be. We're going to be in this book 
a lot and for a while. And there's going to be issues that are going to rise up that we are called to be unified in Christ. That, that we're going to read that God, you may think, oh, well, God could never use me. You know, in chapter 1, 1 Corinthians, it says God uses the weak things of the world to, 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 to shame the uh, strong, the foolish things of the world to, to shame the wise. No, know what that means? God's going to use broken people to do amazing things. But you've got to be faithful. You've got to go on a limb. You've got to fight for your faith. Well, God can't use me. Well, okay. my response to God has been this. God, I don't think you can use me. This is your mistake, <laughs> is what I've told so many times when I've tried to had to walk in faith going, I'm an idiot, God. I'm the last person in the world you want to do this, but if you want me to do it, it's, it's your fault. And God has been so good. Have I come out like a champ? I've had times when I've shared my faith in front of groups of people, whether it's football teams or something else, where I probably looked like a fool. But they heard the gospel. It gives them a chance. Our job is going to read this this text. Our our job isn't going to be to save 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 people. One it says, I think Paul plants, Apollos waters, but God makes it grow. And we're just called to be faithful. I'm excited for us to be in this text. And I love when and I'm going to ask y'all, just start reading 1 Corinthians 1, just on your own time, a couple times each week. Just, you'll know where we're at and just sort of read ahead. Read it. I want you to be familiar with the passage. You know, preaching is a two-way street. There is the preacher who speaks the word of God. It's a three-way street. There is the receiver of the word of God who is an active listener in it. And that's your job. Your job is to take what is being preached, whether it's me, Pastor Mike, somebody else, take being preached and and incorporating it within your life and understanding it and chewing on it. That's your job. And God's at work. So the third one is God's at work in this. There's, a, there's times I've preached on um, being pure and God's call for students to be pure. And I've had three students come up, come up to me and get saved. I'm like, wait, 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 we didn't even go to the gospel. What are you talking about? You didn't even listen. To I don't say it to them. I'm like, cool, let's do it. Let's talk about it. You know, God's in charge of this. So, God calls, God gives, God sustains, and he is faithful. Man, that's a good God. Man, let's just rest in that for this week and go, God, help me focus on what a good God you are. And when we do that, I know some in this room, you're going through some rough weeks. And I don't know what's going on, whether it's at home, whether it's at school, whether it's at work. But, man, it has been rough. And I'm sorry for you if it's been rough. If you need someone to talk, talk to or to pray with, I would love to talk to you. I would love to pray with you. But I want you to do this. Man, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you believe that this is the word of God, try to rest in that we have a God who calls, who gives, who sustains, and who's faithful. Man, that gets me through really bad weeks. Uh, and uh, gets me through the good weeks too. Let's pray we'll be dismissed. Dear God, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, just a chance to talk a little bit more in 1 Corinthians uh, on a message 
um, that's almost a setup that Paul is, he's writing nice things to them, but he's always preparing their hearts to hear your word and to respond to your truth. And so, Lord, may we be a youth group uh, that, that hears your word and responds to it. Lord, when we leave this place, when a lot of these students and even adults go maybe to Chick-fil-A, Lord, may we talk about you. May we boast about you. Man, this is how God's been good to me this week, Lord. May we be bold to talk about you with people that don't know you. Uh, and Lord, I ask that you will um, just give us opportunities to be faithful. Uh, and I thank you that you use us even, that we're, even though we're broken. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.